0: The views and opinions expressed on this show belong to the speakers and do not represent the view or positions of any entities they represent.
1: Welcome to The Educator's Commune. I'm Sana Ijaz, and joining me today for our very first episode are Diksha Lakshmi Kant and Harshil Singh. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the rationalized chapters from the Grade six to, se- six to ten social and political life textbooks. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Educators Commune Conversations. Joining me today are Deeksha Lakshmikanth and uh, Harshul Singh. So a little bit of introduction about uh, Deeksha Lakshmi Kant. Uh, so Deeksha is a graduate of uh, mas- a master's in education from Azim Premji University. Consequently, she has uh, also completed another master's from SOAS, uh, University of London, in uh, South Asian in South Asian area studies. Her, she's also a former educator. She's taught social studies to children in grades four to 12. So welcome Deeksha, I'm so glad you could join us and be a part of this. Thank you Sana,
0: Uh, it's an absolute honor to uh, finally be a part of such a honorable and um, I think meaningful Mm -hmm. conversation uh, space,
1: yeah. Thank you, Diksha, and we also have Harshul Singh with us. Harshul is um, an international mm-hmm. politics master's graduate from SOS, univ- S.O.S. University of London, and he is currently pursuing his uh, ed- studies in advanced research. Harshul is also an IAPSA student research committee member, and he also serves as his general research coordinator. His current research involves revolves around discourses of nationalism in India concerning caste and Dalit epistemology. In Social Science Academia. Thank you for joining us, Harshul.
2: Thank you so much, Sana. And thanks so much, Deeksha, being here and giving us the space so that we can talk about such a pertinent issue. But really, it's really welcoming and appreciated.
1: Thank you. Okay, so we'll start right away with where this began. This conversation has its roots in the rationalization of textbooks that happened very recently, um, the NCERT textbooks. Um, So to keep this conversation focused, we are talking only about the social and political life textbooks that were rationalized for grades uh, 6 to 10 and uh, so that also is a limitation of the discussion that we will be having and also the fact that we are restricting ourselves to only look at the cbse uh, curriculum for rationalization we have not extended ourselves to look at other uh, content which may have been rationalized uh, to get the conversation going we're going to start uh, we're going to read um, what was the reason given by the ncert to Uh, Rationalize the textbooks. It happened following the COVID 19 pandemic, and they felt it was imperative to reduce the content load on students. And the National Education Policy 2020 also emphasizes reducing the content load and providing opportunities for experiential learning with creative mindset. And in this background, the NCRT had taken the exercise to rationalize the textbook across all classes, uh, which is another um, limitation of this discussion is the fact that uh, we're not looking at other subjects there were uh, there was uh, content which was rationalized across i think maths and science we've not looked at any of it we we are only talking about this um, now the reasons uh, why they like you know they feel that uh, it's okay to have done away with certain chapters and certain um, parts of chapters is because they felt it was overlapping with similar content which was included in grades at a later part of the, in the child's um, education and it also they also felt that one was adapting to the difficulty level. Um, And also, they felt that there was some content which was accessible to the students in just, like, you know, conversations they had with their peers, or they felt that the teacher could, like, bring that perspective to the class, even if there was no basis for it in the form of a textbook uh, chapter or, like, subtopic. And they also felt they've done away with content which is irrelevant in the present context. So, keeping... These um, uh, these reasons we are going to have a conversation and take it forward. So the very first question that comes to mind uh, is when they say the overlapping of similar content. Um, generally, when we talk about curriculum, there's a belief that you want to start introducing concepts, and as the great progresses, you want to deepen and extend the child's um, knowledge and understanding of that particular concept. That's one way to uh, really have them build knowledge and then like, you know, go up in higher order thinking skills of how they can conceptually understand a certain concept. So keeping that in mind, what do you guys think about this reason where they feel that they've done away with it because it's going to be repeated later on and hey, that checks a box.
0: Uh, i think please go ahead
2: go ahead go ahead ahead,
0: yeah Yeah, sorry um so uh i think as as an educator i think we are constantly looking at scaffolding in knowledge so there's there is a foundational understanding and then you can't constantly scaffold to make it more and more complex so any concept the foundations need to be laid at a young age and then built upon. So to introduce, especially with regards to a lot of the rationalization that's happened with the social and political life textbooks has been with regards to concepts of equality. Um, And I don't think it is something that, you know, emerges in a person's life later. It is something that we as human beings, kind of um, deal with on a regular basis at at whatever different levels of complexity. Uh, Someone from a privileged background may or may not um, experience something that uh, a person from an oppressed background may. So even something as simple as like in in your third grade, fourth grade, you will know what is fair and what is unfair. Something as simple as the teacher is being partial to one person and not me. Hmm. is also just as unequal as, you know, large-scale issues that, you know, we contend with as adults. So when you inter- when you take away that uh, from the textbook, you're taking away a space of conversation in a, in a classroom. You're taking away the possibilities of even case studies that can be discussed. Hmm. And a lot of students learn that way. Well, I'm not saying the textbook is the be-all and end-all, but at least gives some guidance to the teacher to take that conversation forward.
1: Yeah, Harshil, you want I, to add on?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, what what Diksha builds is really like uh, if things are not included in our foundational years, in, a, in our in upper secondary years, like when we are becoming more empathetic and we are we are very like uh, our, our mind is a building stage, we are in a processual stage, and it is in that stage when we are not learning, getting aware, or even just know about these things. How come we will be more empathetic or more aware or more generally, like uh, ref- inclined towards issues of oppressor or the not, or look towards the marginalia of our society? So this is this is this is very this is very like uh, very true to like look into just bring in an inquiry. The very so much called imperative to rationalize just to remove for the sake that it might be taken up later in the years but it's mm. very true a student a child might not have the same empathy or genuine inclination in the later years while he might or she might develop it in the earlier years of his education so mm. this is this is very true like as an educator like i, I could totally see coming for diksha very very nicely quoted here.
1: yeah and also to build on that point you made diksha about you know it just snatches away the opportunity for any um conversation to take place and also to build on what you uh, said, Harshul. where like, you know, there's certain things which may happen at a certain point of time and they may not have it later on, uh, which makes me think whether like, you know, robbing them of an opportunity to have these conversations will make, you know, the experience of, you know, when they're experiencing such things in their lives outside of school and when they come to school they see there's absolutely no representation of their experiences I mean the kind of impact that can have to have this like you know my life outside school and my life in the classroom there seems to be a huge huge gap or there seems to be some like you know missing pieces in how it's um, finding that uh, validation of hey this is Something that's also being spoken about in my class, and there is an academic uh, validation. It's coming from the teacher, who's uh, for most children, like you know, very looked upon authority. Um, So, uh, do you want to like share your thoughts on that impact the the impact of the duality of like you know, my in class and my in school uh, experiences do not seem to have space for Mm -hmm. conversations.
2: I think uh, just to just like, uh, really like bring back also you were mentioning while we were reading out this idea of whole rationalization. It was built on the student will be engaging in more experiential learning and flexibility of curriculums coming from teachers uh, teachers learning or teachers giveaways. While this whole idea of duality and like, like my teacher might be compensating or the student experiences might be compensating or the experiential learning might be it, like wedging this gap like putting uh, putting in things all together. I really do not see that coming for the case of Indian schools like we have seen our teachers were not uh, that resourceful that equipped with this mindset and psyche to so that she can help with every individual who might relate or not relate and who could even delve into a aspect of experiences like what a minority student might be experiencing in learning these issues and what a privileged or a dominant culture caste person might be experiencing while learning these issues so This duality is like very much taken for granted, first of all. And this whole idea that student might build or or take some guidance from somewhere or the other or some reflective learning might be coming through introspection, I really do not see the case because we have been through their stages. That was not the thing for us. It was more of a teachers being a cornerstone and guiding us and leading us somewhere or the other. And again, it was the conversation of our teachers. We were like, so excited, like, okay, this, I got to learn this today. Oh, this, this, this thing happened. There's a state in India, there's dance form in India. This, this was like little, little experience that we adding to our, our mm-hmm. inclusion and plurality and diverse understandings. Mm-hmm. Whilst that not being there, that not coming from a very legitimate source, like, uh, like from my NCRD textbook or somewhere other, I don't think as a kid who is like in his sixth or eighth grades might be looking for external resources to look out or to yeah. help himself or help herself. So that is like, I really find it really surprising. And like this duality is very much to be like uh, identical in itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Deeksha? Um, I think,
0: see, a lot of what Harshu says, is very valid in the sense of even when we look at the school setting, there's a certain uh, either caste group or class group that is kind of grouped together in a school. Most private schools uh, will have like different within the same like class group of people who are able to afford those fees. Um, You you know, lower fee income will have like a lot of boys from lower uh, income households, government schools will have more girls. Hmm. There's a certain or pre-ordered class and caste group that have a very shared experience. So you don't even get the access to like a variety of experiences um, yeah. of anything that you see in some in, in your social life.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: a lot of and you see this being the case with a lot of like um uh, very upper class upper caste groups where their idea of inequality is very very different from the idea of inequalities within like a a marginalized group classroom and you know which is why we were proposed and there were proposals of like having a common school system uh, when we kind of read through a lot of educational philosophy the concept of a common school is would would be the space where you could have an experiential learning of something like that because you would have peers who have gone through things that you have not But True. Yeah. To, ex- to already have a system in place or structure in place that has you know very specific um, social groups within it and then expect experiential learning to happen within a classroom space is one putting a lot of work on the teacher who, in, in my opinion, is already overburdened. At a government school level, you have enough pressure from the video yeah. to be doing like a billion other things except teaching. And in a, in a private school space, you are under a lot of pressure to be finishing the syllabus. Yeah. So like classroom discussions become your last priority. To introduce additional resources becomes a, it's it's your last priority. And on top of that, uh, what I have seen being the case, especially in like South India, is the number of social studies teachers are less qualified, people who've taken it up as a subject. I don't know what the case is even in North India, and I hope Harshul can fill me in on that. But in South India, as a personal personal experience um correcting political science text, uh, sorry, political science uh, question papers and answer sheets in cbsc we had far too little few teachers and far too many answer sheets to correct and most yeah. of us like you know we'd scrap together some qualifications in political science or some qualifications in social sciences but most people are not qualified in the subject matter itself so there's an additional burden for them to figure out what's in the textbook because yeah. a lot of schools have the outlook that you can teach social sciences, social studies, if you can speak and read English. But mm. one is not—it's one is not like the other because there are certain principles that come with every field of study.
1: Yeah.
0: And unless you're familiar with these principles, it's—it's it's an additional burden on the teacher to learn it. Then additional burden on the teacher to find additional resources for herself to, or himself or themselves to. Uh, <laughs> Uh, understand it themselves and then to present it to students at an age-appropriate level it's just there's already such a task and burden and then on top of that you have you tell me you're expecting the textbook to give you some structure and guidance and when you take that away there's even more burden on the teacher to be resourceful and i'm not you know i'm not saying the teachers are not resourceful because you know we've all had to pull up our socks during covid to find additional resources that you know are yeah. visual that can be sent across that are accessible to students but that took up so much of our time
1: yeah
0: that like teaching again took a hit so yeah to, you know that bridging that duality of like real life experience and what's in the in, in the textbook and in the classroom and kind of literally putting it on one person to do that I think it's a little
1: unfair. And also assuming that the teacher, teachers themselves don't come with um, limitations of how much of an experience they have. So say something like, you know, um, as an educator, if I've never been exposed to um, an an experience of uh, being discriminated against in like a certain like class or caste setup, it may not even be within the purview of my experience for it, for me, for it to then strike me as an educator that you know, hey, here is a good um, anecdote, or here is a good like you know story that I can bring to my learners and open up this concept to them at a level which they can grasp what it is, and you know, so that's one is that assuming that teachers have like limitless and you know no boundaries when it comes to like apt like being uh, resourceful, like you said, Dikshan is just assuming that teachers are going to have all the experiences available to them within their you know realm of understanding the social and political life and bring it to the students because that's just how teachers should be. Um, and the other thing being that if um, if you're looking at the whole idea of experiential itself, while you're talking about social and political life, how what is experiential if it isn't an exchange of um, experiences? you know i mean like because in in a science lab and experiential learning the pedagogy is something else and like in maths experiential learning pedagogy is something else but you're talking about social and political life experiential learning i'm guessing would be sharing of experiences and you know how are you expecting to by taking away what can be a very rich sharing of experiences expect it to happen so that's another like um, I would say, like, you know, conflict or conundrum that comes up as to how do you have an ex- experience rich social and political life class if there are going to be not too many experiences to share and, you know, have conversations about. Um, also, you know, you were talking about um, just talking about experiences, we're also relying on the power of stories to share these experiences, right? And if you look at um, a lot of the grade 6 and the grade 7 and the grade 8 textbooks, a lot of these experiences are communicated through comic strips, which they're communicated through um, anecdotes of uh, incidents that have happened to people, maybe through a newspaper clipping or um, again through like, you know, a short story. Which make for very great um, conversation starters. They make for very great ways to communicate a point without having to explicitly, like you know, um, tell the children. Is that you tell a story, and there's so many like takeaways that children have from stories itself, and those things have been removed from the textbook. So um, again, then like you know, it's, how do you then get a conversation going if? the whole basis for it or what could probably spark it is missing uh from the textbook.
2: You know, I like let me like I even I want to implore and maybe ask Diksha later and Sana also. You see when we when we are depending so much on teachers, uh teachers' ability to find out these resources or just like find out these uh, creative methods to make students learn and make them more engaging so that they can come back again, they can relate it better, sustain them for the life in the psyche. Do you think there could be teachers uh, or educators, I would say, not teacher per se, educators' bias in dealing with certain topics, like going around, and because I, because again, also, the diksha was building about how social science teacher is put up in these schools. In in the northern India case, it was a teacher who was teaching English, and because she is so well in English and understanding, she was put to social sciences. But again, like uh, her experience is very limited in understanding social mm-hmm. science field. Secondly, a her experiences in dealing the topics or his experience dealing the topics or like ability of his agency to how much comfortable the person educated is wants to talk about this topic in the class or wants to make sure it more engaging or wants to look, look at the, both the angles of the topic. So like for the case of like as we're talking about caste class or the governmental aspects or the institutional regime. So how much teacher would be open to tell students of, of all the things that exist out there so teacher resource and teachers dependency and teachers ability for like pushing students to do great in life and so could there be a bias could there be a potential uh, potential like thing that obstructs them to move forward with the uh, take up things which are very inclusive give a whole image set of things see
0: from from my experience I, biases will will ex, ex, uh, exist in a classroom space yeah. as much as yeah. you know like Uh, You would try to, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, teach it as, and and that's why the textbook is kind of really helpful in the sense of at least it gives you like a guideline as to how to remain as unbiased as possible. Because see, it's it's at least what I have noticed with the the textbooks are at least they're trying to give you multiple sides of the story. At least that was Mm -hmm. the case earlier. Mm This is pre-rationalization. They were trying to give you multiple sides of the story, which at least, even if the teacher had a bias, was forced to have that conversation. Or forced to at least introduce it into the classroom, whether they liked it or not. Because, see, I don't think there's any person who is free of bias in a classroom. You can try and stay as unbiased as possible, but there are certain things that you know are like very close to your heart. Or, you know, especially if someone who's engaging in so uh, in social sciences as a discipline, but also is an active participant of society, which most of us are, we have our opinions, we have our um, own thoughts. And as you know, like even in a, in a, especially in a political science classroom space, something as simple as like, you know, t- telling students the realities of the democratic process is just mm-hmm. as biased because it like a lot of us believe that yes india has a very well set up democratic system but our understanding of what a democracy is maybe skewed and there are only certain people who have like an idealized sense of what democracy is but me telling me telling my students that may put them off from even voting so but unless i have the conversation on here are the realities but here is an ideal that you can dream for hmm. that at least gives them the choice to form an opinion of their own and when the textbook offers you both these opportunities because a lot of like the comic books the comic strips sorry my my uh bad, but a lot of the comic strips talk about like corruption but they also tell you that, you know, an ideal state of democracy is one without corruption. Unless I'm presented with these two realities and ideas, I'll not know what to strive for, but I'll also not know what I'm contending against. And when the textbook offers you that, the, the ability for the teachers as a human's bias To enter also is slightly nullified i can't say it's taken away completely but at least it's nullified and at the end of the day the teacher is also looking for resources we're constantly hunting for resources anybody who's passionate about teaching students are constantly hunting for resources trying to find ways to make this a little easier for ourselves and the students so i think at the end of the day teachers trying to be actually a resource person But it's also at the same time, there is a, there may be the bias of my student doesn't know anything and I need to like stuff things into their head from the textbook. Yeah. There's a fine line between the two. These kids don't come into the class with no experience. They've had some life experience, but we also have this beautiful constitution as a document that gives us an ideal state. This is what we want India to be. And if I don't present those ideals to some of my students, they will have no purpose as a political citizen of this country.
1: Yeah. So
0: I guess it's it's very like difficult to remove your biases, but it's also like when you have a, a textbook to support you, at least there's the option of nullifying some of the bias.
1: Yeah, it's. I don't think it's possible to be bias free because I think right from the time where we are born, like you know, the kind of um, say the city we are born into, the kind of family we are born into, the kind of like you know, um, say privileges or lack of we are born into, from day one, they start forming the way with in which we uh, perceive the world. So, uh, to be bias free. And I don't think it's, even as educators, we step into a classroom, leaving those behind. We very much take a lot of our beliefs about um, education or, you know, even classroom management or about uh, dealing with um, uh, student misbehavior into the classroom, whatever subject we are teaching, right? Um, But what happens is that um, maybe what a certain content in the textbook can do is help me be able to check my own biases as a teacher. And it may also be able to, say, help the students check their own biases as uh, learners. And um, so I think that uh, potential is very much present. Um, when you have, like, you know, say um, topics like inequality, or you have topics like um, um, discrimination, or you have topics like um, of privileges that, you know, uh, not everyone can afford. Like, I think there's a chapter on um, uh, healthcare about uh, how the government should provide healthcare. Uh, and what and the fact that you can take the government to court if they don't uh, help you avail that um, health care mm-hmm. so all of these are um, they are there for like you know people mm-hmm. to be able to open up their eyes to and check that you know hey we have a right as citizens to be able to do this and um, and have conversations about it and agree and disagree but but if it's completely missing then there is there's no scope of a conversation right and um, and if you don't have it in the form of stories and comic uh, strips and anecdotes it takes away the power of even presenting the whole experience itself so i think the fact that you have stories or literature in a social science textbook is a beautiful way of um, exposing children and the teachers to realities which are not experienced by them, and then, the, and in the process, getting them to probably like you know say check their biases as mm-hmm. to like you know do I think this is right? Do I disagree with this? Do I feel like you know this should have been what happened, or should have, this? I don't think this should have what should have happened. And like Deeksha said, it, the textbooks do produce, uh, present to you an ideal thing. You know, everyone gets justice in the end and uh, truth prevails and you know so i mean it's it's they feel good stories also so it's it's um it's a nice way of like engaging in very sensitive topics and harsh realities with the children and which again makes you think like oh we've taken off certain things because too difficult you wonder that it wasn't difficult it was presented just the right way very beautifully presented so um, and if you look at difficulty there will be difficulty some children finding something difficult at some point of time in some subject in every class it's not uh, possible to have a classroom where you have learners who don't find anything difficult but the whole point was the text presented it in a way that made it uh, palatable to you but now it's not there so um, yeah so that's 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 the thought and you know yeah
2: i think you're very right uh every one of us uh, enters the classroom with our social locations and every one of us has some or the other experience that's very true but again it's the textbook and this whole ideal picture and the, as you said no, it's all uh like it it was there it's somewhat the other like the idea of whole whole image all the sides of the coin itself so yeah very true now
1: yeah. And yeah so which brings me to the you know if you look at the textbooks like 6 7 and 8 have like these um, so many stories to offer to like you know for as uh, launching pads for children to have these conversations or for teachers to present these very like you know complicated concepts uh, to the learners and suddenly when you move to the grade 9 and grade um, grade 10 textbook it's got no stories whatsoever suddenly the tone of the language changes. There is like, you know, of course you're informed. You're informed about your rights as a citizen. You're informed about your uh, duties. But it's done in a very, what do I, it's like, you know, everybody has a right to free speech. Everybody has a right to education. And so the tone of the textbook changes drastically. There is uh, suddenly from presenting it from an experiential point of view. It's coming from this very narrative, like, you know, hey, this is what it is kind of point of view. So your thoughts on that sudden change and, you know, when you take away the con- these concepts at a lower, a lower stage and it's presented at, like, you know, what you feel is the appropriate age, but it's done so in a very, like, um, like very serious here's the information taken like read it now study it way like what do you think might be the the way the the way like you know students consume it how do you think that might affect them
2: i think uh, of course there's a, this, this is this, this is more of a shock or there's more of a time a student might take to grab uh, on these things and there's a there's a very minute aspect that's, that just goes unsaid the idea of psyche you see uh, again, like it was believed that we're going to introduce back in class ninth and it's the student who might be composite and teachers might be building through their collaborative learning. But the idea of Psyche is that, uh, not, not every student might be able to capture through this collaborative learning, there are a lot of uh, differences Us students that share through our new diversity, through our locations, through our social settings and house uh, environments where, because, uh, many students could be first generation learners uh, in their household. might not be talking so much uh, validatedly about these topics and getting like all these things are very loaded language because we see there's a whole Mm. language difference also in the textbook of six seven which is very like spoon feeding and catering to us while ninth is and tenth onwards like it's very like you just narrated you just put on this stuff okay you got to learn this it's going to come into board exams and it is how it's supposed to be your father's learned it you learn it and you just (laughs) you have to just wrote learn it and things like that. And you can't even question the idea of what is given in the book because it's NCRT. I'll have like spend labor and labor into putting this for you. So grasping on these ideas, these new topics that we sh- like, uh, unsurprisingly get in our later classes where there's no substantive or fundamental basics being introduced in the earlier years. And again, the idea of psyche, teachers' lack of comp- like uh, compensating the resources the other way. So it's it's hard. Honestly, it's very hard to do this, uh, to this thing, and uh, not every student might be able to excel to this. Not every student might be able to like uh, grasp on this with the with the proper guidance and support, either coming from school or private coaching. But again, as Diksha was saying that not every school might be doing that kind of a mentoring labor. Not every student have access to that kind of coaching or guidance of private tuitions. So it's so a lot whole gray area with like, uh, which like goes unset, unexplored maybe. And of course, but like, uh, it was done because in a sense that it will be taken up in the later year, even that for the case of our social sciences or sciences in itself, a lot of things have been done, it might be taken up in the later year, but we have to understand these aspects, these very minute aspects of psyche, of course, you see, I'll, I'll, I'll just put it out in raw I, as a village student and being a fung- first generation learner. My family didn't had in more of an environment talk about very basic and constitutional debates or the aspects of the political developments of of, the, of Indian of Indian society. While it's only through school I was getting all this information and I was engaging in this one hour period of our SST classes about these topics. So, and again, if that would have been a shift for me where I was not taught or build it up to in my in my, my seventh, seventh, eighth grade, and again I put put it put it all in together ninth and tenth onwards. Would have been a very great thought and now I would not have been able to grasp upon it. And apart, like yeah. in my experience, I'm not sure in our early school years, like schools in that we went to, were able to recognize any of our neurodiversity issues, any of our things that uh, we are not, we, are taking, we take time to catch up with things, or we have distraction issues. I don't think uh, school, any school would have been any comforting or appreciative to talk about this or even consider this aspect. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's like, it's very odd. It's very gray and it's, yet it continues till date. It, this, this, this thing of unsaid acknowledgement continues till date. Yeah, like, I, I, think, would... um, yeah mm-hmm. I, I think with um, the
0: shift of tone, we are again, falling into the trap of being a very uh, assessment-based society. Um, Because, let's be very frank, all of us love stories. Yeah. (laughs) We all, like, I mean, India thrives on masala and stories and, like, a happy ending and, uh, like, a little bit of violence and a little bit of, like, you know, something happens, there's a happy ending at the end of it. And, you know, so I think a lot of us remember those things much better yeah. than just hard. Yeah. We all remember hard facts and stuff. But hey, if there's like a good story attached to it, of course we're going to love it more and that we're going to remember it more. Yeah. Um, but I feel like because we are shifting to like training students for a certain board exam by like grades nine and 10, the tone shifts to, um, less story-based learning and more to like, okay, if I learn this, I'll be able to answer these questions. And the teacher will train you to answer the questions on the basis of certain keywords that are going yeah. to come in. And if you can remember these keywords, you're going to pass the exam. And some of us don't, are, are not capable of memorizing this stuff. But we will remember those stories. We will remember the values that came with those stories. Yeah. Why do you think, like, why, why has you know concepts of morality always been passed through stories like bedtime stories? I mean, something as as simple and beautiful as the Jataka tales has encompassed beautiful values of morality, and it's been so much easier to have conversations using that than me sitting in a classroom trying to teach equality with a yeah. textbook with and i'm talking about this is grade 11 textbook where it's full of jargon and some you know random person uh, philosopher who's given you like a, a definition Where if i give you a story you'll remember the story yeah i know more I know if I if I mention this, I'm sure half of the audience who's gone to CBSC school will remember the village in Palampur. <laughs> I don't know whether it's traumatized them or they've enjoyed it, but they remember it because it's an entire case study of a village to teach economics. And that concept sticks. Yeah. If I was to tell you the basis of economics is roti kapra makan, you will remember it. But if I tell you there's a demand cycle and I draw a graph on the board, you will not. You will. Yeah. Because it will come in the exam. Or yeah. Some of us may find it interesting. But if I tell you, Roti Kapra Makan, your basic needs being fulfilled by some entity, either the market or the government, you'll remember it better because you're like, ah, oh, yes, I go to the market to fulfill these needs. Or the government fulfills these needs yeah. for me. And so by taking that story element away we are taking away to be very honest a lot of the purpose of social studies in our lives
1: Mm.
0: because if you look at the ncf 2005 the purpose of social studies is one yes to build a certain sense of identity yeah which is why we have history Uh, however i mean that's that's a topic for another podcast i suppose but there's a certain identity building there. Civics. How do I become an ideal citizen for this country? There are certain values that this country has, which is embodied in the constitution. There are certain duties I have to perform as a citizen of this country to maintain some social order.
1: Yeah. So,
0: but if you let go of that and you're just like, if I remember this enough for the exam. Well, and then after the exam, after I've written it down, completely forget about it. These core values of who you are are lost. And then you land up in some, uh, you know, like either you're down going down some path of self discovery um, at like 25, going through an existential crisis, which most of us do anyway. Um, <laughs> or, or be, you'll, you'll have a lot of people like suddenly picking up history books and uh you know getting into like heated debates but when it, when you create a certain already like a pre-existing interest you don't have to go through that bigger
1: uh, uh, right yeah
0: and, and of course there are conditions applied to all of these things yeah we have had- teacher but you may have found the subject interesting or you may have found the subject interesting later in life but the the core reason for why social sciences is there in the school curriculum is not for passing an exam
1: yeah it's
0: there to to give you some some shape to your identity uh, and and to make you like a a, a good a good in quotations because it's being defined by a certain group of people but at least to understand the people around you as well because unless i i understand inequality right. how am i going to understand what the other person is going through so yeah it's 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 about also building a certain sense of like who i am what is my relationship with other people how am i um making decisions both using money and in terms of like political decisions.
1: yeah.
0: How can I make better decisions? How can I think critically about my life and the society around me? And if I don't like something, what are the remedies available to me? Mm. So, but if you reduce that to, if you remember this and you write it in an exam, the very essence of the domain is lost.
1: Hmm. it's safe like like you said like you know the language has been changed so it becomes easier to like um, pull out keywords because what happens with uh, stories is that each reader brings um, their way of relating to a story to it so you know there's that whole aspect of um, reader to text exchange that happens. And you as a reader may relate to uh, the same story very differently than I as a reader may. And uh, so suddenly, like, so which, which, from the point of view of like, you know, say, Oh, we have a standardized test, and we need to, like, you know, check grades, so the language has to change, because how else do you check for a standardized test if like, you know, everyone's going to bring their own subjectivity to it. So hence, you know, I mean, if you—if that's the argument that can be considered for the sudden change in language that becomes easier if the language is this way to pull out keywords, highlight them, underline, show that, hey, look, I've memorized it. I know, like, give me the grade. Um, I would also then look at all of these things that have been taken away in the in grade 6 7 and 8 and the way it is presented in a very like casual conversational tone as a bridge to understanding the uh, language which is um, devoid of like you know the relatability aspect and uh, so, if uh, we're talking about the caste system, like you know, where large chunks of it have been deleted from across grades, so or we're talking about equality and justice, or so we're talking about, um, say, the criminal justice system, and you know, presenting the entire process of it through um, a, a comic study, and then suddenly I have like you know the same thing presented to me in very um, like academic, in a sudden like you know academic tone. Um that would have been those um, those stories and you know that language would have been um, a student's uh, like ladder to understanding the more um, academic way of like looking at the same concept right so uh, while there is uh, the need to do that because you have to like test them but in the absence of it being, you know, remotely relatable goes missing when like, you know, these uh, rungs of the ladder are like taken away from the way the content is uh, presented, which then brings the question, we are almost two years past COVID. So if this was rationalized in the view of the COVID pandemic, and you know, if, if, I don't know if this is the right way to look at it. If there was two years of learning loss, we are two years like into like like being back on our feet from COVID. So I don't know whether the two years of learning loss can be offset by two years of being in school on a full-time basis or it may need more time. But um, do you think it is still imperative to reduce the content? (laughs) Or there there should be a certain re-looking as to like, you know, I mean, we are back, so now, like, do we have a certain relook at what was rationalized and reconsider what could make its way back into the textbook?
2: I think uh, there is a very much need for inquiry back into this thing, and it's a lot of things like, uh, like. To like, now unbottle or just to like to 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 decode while while talking about rationalisation, it happened in COVID um, COVID nineteen days. And you know, there, there are two striking points. I think the very screen of ours uh, is, is is a statement from NCRT, but like there's there's a whole backdrop to it. That there were two two points. One being, uh, this was done in understanding of also parliamentary standing committee, and uh, se- and second, like there were a lot of things which were not taken or understood as. Uh, like something students should be engaging with, very really like the, the removing of only Munis, caricature, and lot of things they were provocating, which was thought to be provocating. So again, like COVID nineteen was happening, we were understanding students' curriculum must be reduced because time and like engagement and the like uh, social, like dilemma and the things students might be going, the families might be going, not be able to cater themselves. But again, the two backdrop factors of what provocative thought is and what parliamentary standing committee find it wrong. Like is also was taken as more of an uh, tool, an agenda to poke and just like see something out of this too for in their favor. So, again, like COVID nineteen maybe could have been the like surface of it, but something else needs is is deep deep down there. Secondly, I really think uh, there should be an inquiry again. There should be like, of course, strikingly eight to ten people's committee who sat and decide for the whole India. Hopefully. 80 to 100 people of committee comes together and decide for India, I would like find it more justifying that instead of what happened in COVID-19 days, 8 to 10 superficial committee, That what they say. super like, It is so odd to see 8 to 10 people decide for the whole nation, like what curriculum is supposed to be. I really want to know who were deciding what merits are of eight, these 8 to 10 people, what location are they coming from and how much value of their experiences, their body yeah, beliefs de- de- defines to it. So again, I think there really should be an inquiry again. There should really should be reflection again. Content should be being brought brought in back. We are in a normal world and things are much changed. And uh, there's a more access, I would say, like there's so much of development that is going around us. Social aspects again, those topics need to be added. Instead of just like cutting down, I think you can just always add an alternative. Like uh, always put some information like through comic strips, through only Munnis and nothing's going to like uh, being lost from there and again uh, adiksha was talking about palampur i love palampur i don't remember my <laughs> demands but i would remember palampur <laughs> bring it all back like other in other aspects and i think uh, a thick textbook would never be the case of uh, like demotivation for any student a textbook full of stories pictures comic yeah. scripts. i think it's more of an engaging that requires me to rustle through three all these pages and i would love to do that again so i really think Covid has gone, and some way or the other, the large amount of it. And really, I need to sit back, the NCRT, the CPSC, and the this Parliamentary Standing Committee, do more introspection and like uh, do think of what need. Because in this whole process, it's not not about reducing the curriculum; it's all about reducing the criticality of students' mind, which is not as of this curriculum, which is really not out there. The critical. Yeah. Was totally like collapsed or totally like uh, removed. Like, I because you, I remember uh, Sana was sharing there was an aspect of how uh, legal apparatus work, FIR, and like a laws related topic that was, I think, removed from class eight textbook. Yeah. So, again, uh, this was, is this was a very basic thing a student should have known. Like, I think kids in eight, kids in class eight are almost like 14, 15 years old, and yeah. they're almost uh, turning up to adolescents. So, I really think the student turning teenage and like should really be known of their their legal rights and how to approach and legal effectiveness or the government. Authority. Please sit back <laughs> and like have an inquiry, have a committee. And I really think rationalization, the very like uh charged term for something or the other needs to be looked into. I personally think by
0: reducing critical content see because there is an overwhelming amount of like information in a lot of these textbooks because you know especially as you as you get older there is an overwhelming overwhelming amount of information to memorize but taking away critical aspects of everyday life that i you know that we engage with on a daily basis is doing a disservice to a lot of these students. And yeah. I also feel like there is a certain um, underestimation of a lot of these kids. Yes. Not in terms of their ability to memorize or anything, a lot of them are incredibly empathetic, incredibly critical, and they have the internet that gives them access to the external experience of a lot of people because i am glad a lot of marginalized communities are taking the internet as their space to express in you know ways that you can't you will not see in a textbook
1: yeah and a lot
0: of these students are seeing that and when like we go back to that question of like what is the external world and what am i experiencing in my classroom you are now seeing what's happening in the external world but there's no conversation happening about it in the classroom, you're doing disservice to those students. The the, uh, automatic assumption is that these kids don't know anything and this is enough. But you're taking away the possible opportunity, maybe not a hundred percent of that class is on board with the entire thing, but you're taking away the opportunity of those who are interested those who are like willing to engage because it's not we're not taking away like definitions of things we have very unfortunately taken away some very important definitions um uh, such as that of the dalit um yeah and uh, then place the expectation of the teacher to explain that but when you're taking away stories from a lot of these kids you're taking away their even the chance to engage critically with something and these kids are not fools they are very capable of having a very critical uh, engagement with material Maybe. far more than i was able to at, at their age yeah so definitely I think there is a need to yes when reassess what's going on in the ncrt textbooks, but also, I think, at a larger level, we need to start reassessing how teacher training is going on. Because yeah. the NCRT textbook can constantly change shape. And we may have, at some point, a very critical uh, and uh, well-built textbook. But if the teachers are continuing to teach in the uh, same old traditional manner, with no like thought about experiential learning, no thought about like bringing in additional resources which i can't even blame them for because this is what they've been trained to do then you give this is like you know literally giving something of very great value to someone who doesn't know how to use it yet this is like giving you the computer without the internet or electricity (laughs) it's a fantastic device it put like you know, you or you don't have the skills to use a computer. Yeah. And all you need is some training to be able to do it and know when to plug it in and turn on the electricity and turn on the internet. So I feel like, yes, there is a lot of pressure on kids to remember a lot of things, but the way in which it's being presented really needs to be rethought. Because by omitting it, you are doing a disservice and all of this does not necessarily have to be assessed how do you assess someone's morality how do you assess someone's you know like understanding of equality
1: true
0: these are are qualitative things you want to assess like oh you know you are discriminatory so i'll give you like 80 percent or whatever 50 percent or 40 percent
1: but Diksha, even like you know saying that oh you don't have to assess it but say even you know going by how question papers are set if you don't have a like you know a subtopic that says talks about equality and you know how taking away someone's right to equality is robbing them of their dignity you can't even have a true or false statement kind of an assessment because the content is never presented so you know if like say even going by the fact that this is what it might even end up coming in the question paper as to like tick true or right, true or false that you know robbing someone of the equality is like you know robbing them of the dignity you've even lost like you know that medium of like informing them that like you know in whatever way it does because it's just not present right so like while it is very true that you can't like these are very um qualitative and more like you know conversation and discussion related concepts if it's not there that that minute scope of like you know getting the student to pay closer attention to it is also completely gone
0: absolutely i'm in complete agreement there um again i'm presenting an ideal where you know yeah. assessment is not the basis of um true yeah your learning like you're not learning to be assessed, you are learning assessed, for right. the sake of learning. And that's the ideal we all have for an education system. True. Yeah. It's not to produce, uh, I don't know, like citizens who can uh, write a good answer. Yeah. But <laughs> it is keywords. to produce thoughtful people True. Yeah. who are able to at least think critically about anything that's presented to them yeah. and form their own opinions unless I I give you something to work with, that that possibility is dead. Yeah. So like, I completely agree with you. Unless it's there, you can't assess it. That's one half. And if it's not even there, there's no critical engagement at all. And like, it's, it's not something you can particularly assess, but we have somehow come up with an assessment system for it. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, we have. I mean, we just like keywords yes that is the best way to remember things like people being discriminated or this thing happened but the, the relevance to your life is lost
1: true yeah. yeah okay any final thoughts guys and then we'll wind this up
2: I think uh, in last summing up like uh Really, like the idea of rationalization should be looked into, like uh, like how on the surface is rationalization, but what's uh, what's being carried okay. under it? So I think that would be just like a very open-ended thing from my end. Yeah.
1: Diksha,
0: yeah, I, I I guess I think a lot of us need to reevaluate what has been rationalized and not
1: think. I mean,
0: see again. I keep talking about being able to be critical of anything being presented to you. One is, the textbook itself needs to be reevaluated. evaluated hmm. but also a lot of people who are using the textbook, teachers and students, also need to be critical of the material presented to them in the textbook. Hmm. And unless we create that kind of a culture, um, I guess it's going to be difficult. And also, like, see, I say this uh, coming from a very privileged background, it's easy for me to say, hey, be critical of all the textbook material and stuff. But also, like, at a, you know, at a very basic level, we can, we also need to be a little understanding of, like, you know, people are just trying to live their lives on a day-to-day basis. Um, And perhaps this is not in their foremost thoughts. Hmm. But... I hope that there's there's a point some someday where everyone is on board with like, Hey, you know, I want a better education for myself. That's more about me learning and less about me being assessed less about, you know, me needing to know enough to get a job. But unfortunately, the reality is that a lot of us are just studying to get a job. Uh, to move has some sort of upward social mobility. And I you know I refuse to be in a position where I can be like, oh, you guys should think about it and you know reflect deeply also. And those who have the privilege to and of time and uh, resources, please push for reconsideration of this material. And for those who don't have the privilege at this moment, maybe sometime in the future.
1: Yeah. OK, on that ideal note, we will wind this episode. Thank you, Diksha. Thank you, Harshul. And we're done, guys. <laughs> Thank you so
2: Thanks, much. Thanks, Anna.
0: Thanks, Harshal. Very
2: Thank
0: nice <laughs> conversation. <laughs>